Hey, welcome back for another episode of Living Hope, a weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer. Sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this disease and how they really deal with it on a daily basis. With your host, one of those who knows the journey all too well, 19 years and counting. <laughs> Welcome to our show, Roberta Luna, again. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> 19 years plus. Anyway. I don't want to make it sound like that, Jim. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be anywhere here. No, but I know you're going to talk about with another survivor today, but I hope you'll talk about this. How do you talk about this ongoing battle? Do people avoid you because they're afraid, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen next, or I'm going to catch it, or I don't want to deal with it, or I don't want to think about it. It's got to be, not just for you, but there's got to be odd reactions to people. Or maybe I'm, maybe it's just me. No, there's been many reactions, and I think we could probably do a whole show just on that. But people sometimes do tend to avoid me for their very reason. For some reason, they think they can catch it, or if they hear about it, that maybe I'm going to it's bad luck, bad I'm, luck yeah. yes, and bring it to them. Or some, you know, had also kind of distanced themselves because they thought since I'm going to be dying, they want to start preparing for that now. I didn't and not know how waiting. to say that nicely, but yes, right. Okay, so well, I'm going to start separating from you, you know. Yeah, there's no nice way to say it. It's just they feel like they're going to be going through that pain and hurt, so they'd rather start now, I guess, as, rather than wait. So it, it's been a tough journey, but then again, too, it's funny because the people that you don't think you can count on are the ones that come, and hmm. so it's... Very, very rare, very strange, and you know, like I said. So who did come, who came today? We have another person uh, fighting the good fight here. She's <laughs> going to be back in ten years. We already booked her for ten more years here. Yes, Absolutely. that's right. Maybe we'll even we'll try to get her back every year, maybe even sooner, every so often, because you can only say so much in a half hour. Yeah. But yes, I have Donnie Campbell with me, and I'm very happy to have her. I believe she's a two and a half or two plus years that's right. survivor. Yeah, and so thank I, you for having me today. I'm uh, really excited to share my journey. Well, we're really happy we want to hear it because it's really amazing. I think everybody's journey is they have that special, that little special story. So how should I describe you or how do you describe yourself? Wife, mother, animal lover, pancreatic cancer survivor? How do you, how do you describe <laughs> All the <yourself>? above, actually. <laughs> I am a wife married to an amazing husband. I am a mom of two children and who have been on this journey with me. We have an awesome boxer. Her name is Daisy May, and she's obviously the love of all of our lives. And I have a, a wonderful career at Herbalife International Nutrition, and I've been there for 27 years. Oh, so wow. it's like my second family there. And, you know, I'm super fortunate to be surrounded by an amazing family and a village of friends that aren't blood but have become my family that have been so supportive throughout my life, but especially during this journey. Yeah, and it's very important to have that support. Like we were talking earlier, it's just something to have those people be there for you when you need them so that you can fight this disease, which is very difficult. So true. What was your life like before your diagnosis with pancreatic cancer? That's a great question. Super active. I've always been about working hard and playing harder. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if I wasn't working, we were doing things all the time, you know, so busy on the weekend, family activities, a lot of outdoor, love biking, swimming, going on vacations, and traveling. Traveling is one of my favorite things to do. Oh, good. You mentioned you'd work, you worked for um, Herbalife. Right. And so you're really into nutrition and health 
Absolutely. Do, what? How did you prevent or present with your first um, symptoms? What were the, what were those? You know, I had the year I was diagnosed. Um, that year, I wasn't feeling good. I felt really exhausted, which was so unlike my normal behavior of going 110 miles an hour, being an Energizer bunny, <laughs> just always on the go. I was exhausted. So that was one of the first kind of signs. I thought it was stress. I thought I was maybe just working too many hours. I needed to, you know, take more time to work on myself. I also had really bad acid reflux. I was working with my general practitioner and going to an ear, nose, throat specialist, you know, and I I just could tell it just wasn't, I wasn't my normal self. And I had been on business pain in my side. And I thought that it was kidney stones. I went to urgent care. They thought maybe the same thing. I had never had kidney stones, and I know I had heard that they were painful. And so I thought, you know, I'm sure that's what it is. It sounded, you know, like it, especially because it was in my side. And little did I know that, you know, those symptoms were the beginning of, you know, my journey of pancreatic cancer. I, as soon as um, I had landed from this one business trip, um, I went to see my um, gynecologist because the pain wasn't going away. Um, urgent care had given me some some um, medicine to, you know, antibiotics. And it was probably some of the best advice that I ever received. And so, you know, my pain was quite excruciating. Um, it had me crippled. I mean, like I was in a ball. It was so painful. And so, you know, it, it could have been the, the doctors on staff. I'm not really sure. I, I would assume it was because of the pain that I was in. And the first CT scan showed what they believed was a tumor, and then they admitted me. And that's when I decided to call my husband. And I thought, oh. So then two days later, they sent me to UCI, and I did a biopsy, and then that's when it was confirmed that it was pancreatic cancer. And when the doctor told you, do you remember his words, what he said to you? You know, the the doctor that did the biopsy, he said that it came back positive for pancreatic cancer. Those were his words. Just positive for pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. Did he give you any ideas what to do or what, where to go from there? No, not not the biopsy doctor, but then I went back to the hospital. Some of my options that I had, my tumor was located in the middle of my pancreas. And so I didn't have, I was fortunate enough that I was eligible for surgery right away. I ended up on January 2nd of 2019 having a distal pancreatectomy and then a splenectomy. Do you know or can you describe the difference between the surgery you had and what most of us think of when you hear about surgery as the Whipple? You know, I feel that the Whipple seems to me to have harder effects afterwards. You know, I went in chemo 30 days after my surgery, which according to my surgeon, Dr. Imagawa, was quite, you know, impressive because I was determined to, to fight this cancer and, and to give it every ounce of, every oomph that I had to, to beat it. You know, he was hoping six to eight weeks I would start chemo. I was in there four weeks. And my body was, it was, it was exhausted from, from the surgery and then, you know, starting chemo so quick. I did go through a lot of understanding body from a digestive perspective. Even if I ate, you know, too many greens, I was learning my bowels, (laughs) basically, (laughs) you know. I mean, I had accidents. I I remember, you know, I I had an accident in Target, and it was horrible. And so I think the 
patients and the survivors that I've talked to that have had the Whipple, I think that they go through, it took me about nine, 12 months of learning, you know, what my triggers were to understand my new digestive. I think it's longer for Whipple patients, in my opinion. You know, I obviously, I'm, I can't speak for them, but um, I was I was fortunate that I didn't have to, be, I could understand and learn the foods to eat, my portion controls, the fatty foods, even the healthy foods. I still have to be very careful um, in understanding how, how my digestive is working. Right, how it all works together. Yeah, yeah. So they didn't remove the full pancreas, so you're not a diabetic then, correct? No, and I was fortunate on that as well. So obviously I tested for the first six months after my surgery, and um, I was I was fine. And, you know, for the most part, I eat a pretty healthy and live a pretty healthy active lifestyle. And so, you know, it was something that we definitely were watching for. They removed 43% of this and wow. the tail and then my spleen. Wow, that's amazing. And you look terrific. That's Thank awesome. you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm really happy to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel really great. Yeah, well, good. It shows. I want to go back a little bit. Like we've always said, you know, this pancreatic cancer is not doesn't just affect the patient. It also affects the, the family. How did you go about telling your family what you were dealing with? You know, obviously, my husband was with me every step of the way. You know, it was hard for him. He was Googling pancreatic cancer. And so when you do that, you know, unfortunately, there's more negative than positive. At that yeah. time, it was a 9% survival rate. And so, you know, see, I get emotional. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, wow, she's going to die. And so we just had the conversation that, listen, that's not going to happen. And then we, of course, told the, the kids and we all kind of locked arms. And then, you know, we slowly told our closest family members and then our closest friends. But this was a time of my life to, for the first time ever, to focus on me. So it felt good. You know, it felt good to kind of be in control of something I didn't know what I was going to be up against, but I was I was so ready for the fight. And I needed the strongest family members and friends around me to, to help me with that battle. Yeah, you do. And it sounds like you, you definitely had that. And I, I think a lot of times that's part of the reason why we do survive is the support that we have and our own thoughts about going into, you know, this disease. I thought the same thing after hearing the news. I'm like, no, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to be that statistic. Right. So I think that's a good mindset to have. And I appreciate your honesty. And I, I know it's difficult, but, you know, it's emotional. And I do appreciate you sharing that with us. It's important for people to hear because I know getting that diagnosis, you always feel like you're alone. Like I'm the only one, and especially when a doctor says nobody survives pancreatic cancer. You're like, where do I go? Who do I reach out to? And what did you do? And how did you reach out? And who did you go to? Were you able to reach out? Did the doctor recommend any place for you to go? My gynecologist recommended a second opinion from the first hospital that was. So then I ended up at UCI with Dr. Imagawa, who was my surgeon. And from the minute I met them, his nurse at that time, April Kroger, she's so amazing. She immediately connected me with PanCan, the PanCan organization. And that was just the biggest blessing. And then also the support group that she had just started. And I think when I was diagnosed, they had only had maybe two meetings prior to me joining. Those, you know, I, I we were chatting before the show and you meet and have different kinds of cancers. Each one is so unique in their own way. And to be with people that were dealing with the same things that I was dealing with from a pancreatic cancer perspective really 
helped me more than I could have ever imagined. I knew that something was missing. And like you mentioned, you're feeling kind of alone. You don't want to scare your family, but yet you're trying to figure out all your emotions while you're fighting it. And having the support group and PanCan to be there with me and answer my kind of random questions or, you know, kind of prepare me for things that were up and coming really were such a blessing for me. Yeah, the the support groups are great, but the ones that are made just for pancreatic cancer, because, you know, every cancer, yes, is bad and every person has a unique story. But with pancreatic cancer, it's very difficult, one, because the survival rate is so bad, but also, the can- it's just different. I mean, it's not, you have, with other cancers, you have a number of people that respond the same to certain treatments. With pancreatic, pretty much the same, but they're going to respond differently to treatment. Right. So we need those groups to where we can go and express that and, and get some, you know, uh, help and some opinions on where to go. And I'm glad you were able to do that. And yes, April was was amazing. I mean, she just was wonderful. And I'm sorry she moved. Yeah, We want to bring her, we should bring her back. <laughs> we <laughs> should. <laughs> but you said you, you received a treatment you did therapy radiation what was your treatment exactly so I did chemo originally it was um, 12 treatments um, of the full furanox and it was you know extremely strong hard on my body Um, I think I went six treatments in and then my white blood cell count started to drop and I started to have other symptoms of um, weakness and so I remember Dr. Diani my oncologist telling me um, you know, we're going to cancel today's treatment. And I was like, no, I can handle it. I promise you my body can handle this because I was just so determined to fight this and to beat all the odds and to help raise that survival number. And um, he said, listen, most people don't even make it six in a row like you just did without, you know, even having a day delay. So you got to give your body a break. Um, But I still finished, you know, relatively quick. based on, you know, most most patients. But um, and then after six months of chemo, um, I took a month break and then um, they did a um, they did a review of my tumor with the pancreatic cancer board at UCI and they found a little bit of a haze on the tumor. And so, you know, I think what was interesting for me to learn is that when I had my surgery in January of that year, nothing had spread, my lymph nodes were clean, they had gotten all the cancer out. And so I didn't understand why I needed chemo and why why I needed to, you know, do this and, and have my body just go through this. And um, I later learned that, you know, pancreatic cancer is such a mean cancer and it hides. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you can't see things in scans. And so this was this was my insurance to ensure that even though they're, they're saying that they got everything, just in case there's a couple of little guys out there roaming around <laughs> that they're going to get them. And, um, and then after the chemo, and then they reviewed the tumor, and then they're like, you have to go through radiation. I'm like, really? You know, and then when I realized how important it was for me to do whatever it's going to take to keep this beast away, I will do it. So then I did 28 rounds of radiation. Um, five days a week for six and a half weeks and oral chemo. It took a big toll on my body. You know, I I was really exhausted. So that took me through November of of 2019, just about a year after I had been diagnosed. I was done with all my treatment. I I think two weeks after my, my last treatments, my scans came back, you know, that I was clean. 
Amazing. So, yeah. Amazing. Did you get to ring the bell? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I rang a couple bells, actually. <laughs> Chemo, radiation. <laughs> That's, for, for those of you that wonder what we're talking about, when you finish your, your round of treatments, they, you get to ring a bell. I haven't been able to ring the bell yet, but you know, I'm looking forward to that day because I, I really enjoy when I watch somebody do it. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's very emotional. Yeah, it is. Going back and looking at your the side effects that you had from from your treatment, I'm sure there were side effects. What were they? You know, during chemo, the neuropathy was the hardest part for me. I remember maybe four hours into my chemo treatment, I'd go to the bathroom, I'd wash my hands, and I could just feel the numbness and just this cold sensation and it just feels like needles are just like going through your whole hand and it's so painful and then you remember that you have to keep things warm and not use the cold water and and drinking um, the chemical taste and you know I had sores in my mouth you know I think pretty common side effects really really tired a lot of nausea I, I rested a lot and I I learned from the support groups and I learned from others that, you know, there are different um, remedies that you can take and use um, to help you. But the one thing that I still deal with is my neuropathy. So um, both in my feet and my hands. um, I remember the last day before um, I was done with my last radiation, um, I tripped and fell and broke my patella. Yeah, so that that wasn't a fun experience. But, you know, it, it was okay. I mean, because I knew the next day I would be done with my treatments. I'm still dealing with my neuropathy. I'm learning how to work around it. You know, I, I'll take that any day over pancreatic cancer. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I know a lot of times we talk about control, uh, being able to control this disease, and it's something that's very difficult. But you did something I think is very unique and brave in a way, because I don't know that I would be able to do it. But you decided you weren't going to let the treatments take away your hair. You were going to do something instead. What was it that you did? I decided, you know, to sport my bald head. And, <laughs> and um, you know, I, I started chemo in February and June. By June of that year, I was bald. You know, I didn't know what I would be up against. But my, my thought and my attitude was, I've got the biggest fight of my life right now ahead of me. And going bald is the least of my problems. And so um, it's funny, the first time that I didn't wear a hat and I was in a restaurant, I kind of surfed the room and looked at if people were looking at me and what their reaction was. And people would look and smile and then look away. And I'm like, okay, I got this. (laughs) And um, I had a friend tell me that it was my confidence that I excluded when I was, you know, I, I just it, oftentimes I would forget that I was bald, actually, because I had so much more things on my mind. Right. So, you know, it's grown back and it's, um, you know, it feels good to have hair again. But I kind of did enjoy that time of not having hair and not having to worry about washing it and being getting ready quicker than my husband. <laughs> and it can be nice, especially in the summertime. It can be a little cooler. That's right. right. <laughs> you have to find the positives, <laughs> right? You yeah, you do in everything. And it's difficult. Cause sometimes people don't understand that. But when you're dealing with this with pancreatic cancer, the devastation, you have to find that little bit of rainbow and go with that. And I think you've done a great job with it. And I know you also have a collection of hats and you've just been able to really just wear it, wear it well. So I I really uh, admire you for that. And if you could give any advice to a caregiver for the person they're helping through this journey, what would you tell them? I think one of the greatest things that we found was our support group because it was for both the patient and the caregiver and I think it helped my husband so much with hearing that he wasn't alone in this because 
you know, I think they worry more than us, quite mm-hmm. frankly. I mean, we're dealing with our own things with our bodies and not feeling good, but they're worrying about so much more. And so to just hear and know that he wasn't alone was huge for him. So my best advice would be to find a support group. PanCan is another amazing resource. Um, and I think as the patient, you know, remembering that they're going through a lot too, it's, it's really important, you know, because I couldn't have achieved as much as I did, I don't think as quickly as I did without him. Yeah, our caregivers are very important. I yeah. know I feel the same. I couldn't have gotten through it. Um, well, I'm almost sad to say, I think our time is nearing end and I want to thank you for coming, but I want to really have you come back because I love the way you dealt with your chemotherapy, your unique way. And I really want to dive into that more. So if we can have you continue and come back another day as a guest, I would love I'd to. really like to talk about what you did, maybe give some inspiration and hope to others, how you handled your chemotherapy, because I think it's amazing. So thank you for being here and sharing your journey with us. I know sometimes it can be difficult, but you really are a great inspiration in helping all those out there. So thank you so much i appreciate it and thank you so much roberta you are truly my inspiration from the moment i met you so it's my pleasure to be here thank you i appreciate that thank you well you've been listening to another episode of living hope a weekly journey designed to provide hope inspiration and education for those living with pancreatic cancer like our guest today sharing the real life stories of those really affected and how they deal with it every day if you'd like to share your story please contact us and if you or anyone you know needs help right now please call patient services at 877 and the number 2 pancan that's 8772 p a n c a n put you in touch with the pancreatic cancer action network Paul Roberts for Living Hope, inviting you to come back each and every week as we continue to find hope and inspiration in this all-too-difficult journey. Right here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.